Hi, Sophie. Very nice to Hi. have you here. Nice um, to be here with you. <laughs> you know, like in this this format, I, you know, I don't do uh, introductions, like, um, but in this case where like I I only met you a week ago, and also like if you uh, were a guest vocalist on an album um, that was just released, like an album I did with uh, Jan Peter Schwalm. And and so that was like kind of like the first collaboration, but I didn't have any anything to do with it because uh, uh, Peter, um, you know, did that session with you at a distance. So so very nice to uh, have a chance to talk with you and to find out something about you. And I've already heard um, a couple of interesting things that you sort of like you grew up in Germany, but you're Belgian and you speak Russian and like you speak fluent German and English and French and uh this is uh, it's pretty amazing um so let's just let's just start anywhere where you want to start right like uh who are you <laughs> good question that's a very philosophical question because i guess we always we are in change constantly we are not you know i'm not who i was yesterday and and uh you you neither and all of us right <laughs> It's true, but like sometimes, sometimes we forget yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 fun to go back in time and think, oh, was was I like? I mean, was that me? Or I don't know if you have that too. You know, if you mm -hmm. go back in in time. I mean, especially when you are when you were a teenager or you're twenty, you look back, you were a child or you were a teenager. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm forty one. And when I look back 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I was an adult because I, but I was a very different, very different person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can tell you that uh, when I was your age, um, you know, like being uh, in the late, in my late 40s now is again a whole different ball game, you know, ballpark. It's very, it's very, it's very, uh, because now I can, you know, look back. 30 and 40 years, which is crazy. Wow. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so would you say that you're sort of like very aware of your process of change? Is that something that in, is interests you a lot? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love change actually in, in many ways. I mean, also in music or, but in, um, change yeah change of uh, perception of of the world of feelings of people of communication mm -hmm. uh yeah i love that actually i love changing i must say yeah yeah it's nice to you know to go through different phases and yeah yeah just to experience different lifetimes i mean you know we're all getting old and we're all experiencing that and there's no i don't like dwelling on the fact that you know i'm getting older I, i'd rather see it as something new you know like a new chapter and when i'm 60 or 70 or 80 it's going to be fun you know <laughs> i'm going to be yeah i'm going to enjoy my my 80s <laughs> give me that already <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's interesting because i i had to uh, do with um psychology in my in my yeah. 20s um, as I was studying it I sort of like uh, started having the belief 
that change is is highly unlikely you know uh-huh. in people because that's sort of like what the what the part of the clinical psychology is kind of like focused on is like the management of change somehow right yeah. mm-hmm. and and but there you go it's just the management of change is not you know because change is as you say is happening all the time but then the question is like which direction you know and then like sometimes it may be useful to to have some guidance you know for the to go in the right direction whatever that means but even though yeah I'm so totally, uh, i'm i'm i've i've done a lot of psychotherapy so in my, in my life many years so i think it's ex- ex- extremely necessary mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe not for everyone, but um, it's a very interesting thing to to go through. Yeah. What what would you say is like the the major? If you can share it, like the ma- major piece of information or you know, like uh, knowledge you've uncovered, uh, or what what really was or is so important for you about like about the th- psychotherapy i think i mean as you asked my the the one thing that really uh, helped me and and was like a wow moment is when i realized that i can't change others but i can only change myself mm-hmm. and then i started being more empathic that was also good <laughs> you know, see, <laughs> seeing other people as as people who struggle just like me you know like we're all struggling in some way or or another mm-hmm. and therefore acceptance you know and then it's all it's all fine it's all it's all cool yeah that's 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 a really uh yeah amazing you know like you can you can you have some sort of and you know, some people would say that's not true, but you you know, like we can have the knowledge that we can change things for ourselves, that we can make decisions, yeah. and that we can go and and have some influence on our lives. And and I see that like at the moment, like seeing seeing the um, the COVID related depression around me, and like I I'm also being affected by that. Um, it, it's really um, it's really interesting how how that initial drive, you know, the the will to live, basically that we are given at birth, you know, can get diluted. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I have like uh, I've never thought about it, but you know, I sometimes I'm well, I've, sometimes I was wondering how is that for animals, really? Like, you know, I'm like was wondering can can animals uh, have a depression, you know? And and probably probably yes, I would say, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe my cat has that. And I'm thinking about it. I don't know. She's a bit weird. <laughs> cat psychologist is going to come in two weeks really i mean she's not a psychologist but she's like a yeah a, you know she, she's going to try to figure it out yeah interesting i, mean, I have the cutest cat but she's a bit problematic 
anyway, let's not get into details. No, no, it's I find I really I, I mean that I think it's an inter interesting question, kind of like yeah. our our consciousness, our consciousness consciousness is the challenge, right? Because yeah. like we can decide if we yes. somehow we can decide if we want to get up in the morning or not, right? Which gives us a lot of power. It gives us a lot of power, but then I'm thinking about when when you are clinically depressed and you know stuff happens in your brain which you can't control and that pushes you down you know that that uh, that is a tricky i mean it's it's fascinating the human brain is a fascinating thing what can you control and what can't you control what is in your hands and what is uh, affecting you from outside or inside yeah that's very exactly because as we know like our, our our bones can be broken right so like our body um you know where we could like assume that the body carries the the spirit and, and the soul and the mind right yeah. for sure there can be things wrong with with the body and uh, yeah so so no go no, ahead the, our perception of uh, of our environment, I find that also very fascinating. Yeah, because 15 years ago, I lived with my grandmother who was about 90 years old, and she had Alzheimer's. So for a year and a, year and a half, we we lived together, the two of us with someone who helped out as well. And she was in a wheelchair, and I spent every day with her, and she would ask the same questions, and I would answer the same way in order. For her not to notice, so it was really the same answer. Like everything was just normal. It's just uh, you know, yeah. She was very very sweet, but there it was interesting to see what what does she perceive? Thinking that I was maybe her mother or her daughter, she didn't know anymore. She was asking me, "Who are you? My 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 mother or my daughter?" Which was very sweet. So. Yeah, I, I was something secure. I was security, mm -hmm. which is the most important thing when you forget everything and you don't even know who you are. Mm -hmm. What is important in that moment? And it's feeling the feeling of security. Yeah, yeah it's it's interesting with like just like you said, like she had she had lost the sense of herself even, right? Yeah. Like and and then having one person who's there all the time yeah. so that at least you kind of like always see the same face and you can then at least ask the same question over and over again and get the same answer yeah, yeah that, that yeah so. maybe you know that because i know you have a child maybe you know that from having a child who also perceives uh, things differently i mean you're there every day so that's security you're yeah because they will have forgotten what they did yesterday, right? Kids are very forgetful up to a certain age. You know, yeah, they forget yeah. what they did on the weekend. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm teaching little kids and I ask them, what did you do on the weekend? It's like, I mean, you know, five-year-olds or four-year-olds are like, uh, <laughs> and then I ask, but it's, it's okay. Was it fun? Yeah, that's the but most. You know, I, I, you know, I don't even remember what I had for lunch, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I'm I'm sort of currently I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to su subscribe what you said because my daughter she has a an amazing memory, yeah, 
And so because she's just like in the past couple months, she started to, to talk. And, uh, and so she's, she's really telling us about things that she remembers. Uh, and mostly it's events that had some sort of like uh, emotional power to them, right? And so she really remembers them very well. And she has surprised us even talking about things that are like that she experienced when she was a year old. No so, way. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. Wow. I, and I have sort of like the um, theory at this point, like <laughs> we'll, we'll find out, but, but that uh, the, the child can also learn to acquire the tools, let's say, to build a memory. Memory, yeah. Like, yeah, because like I, I can say for myself, I, I, I have no, I, I only remember like two or three uh, things from my, from my childhood and yeah. those, yeah. but, um, but like with my daughter, it seems also because technology is so different now, like mm -hmm. we have, we take photos, right? And like yeah. the photo that we've just taken, we show it to her and yeah. she asked to see photos like maybe tomorrow. And so she kind of like builds, has this kind of like, you know what I mean? Like the, the memories of the memory between. in yeah. a different way than we were, you know? Yeah. And yeah. imagine she has the help of the photos or with videos. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. Then it can connect. Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 interesting, you know. That's why I think that you know, like um, like our generations, like you know, from the seventies, eighties, uh, we were still sort of like the the pre pre internet, right? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that's what you said to me, right? You were also pre internet. Yeah, yeah, pre internet. <laughs> Child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so the um let's let's talk more about the psychotherapy thing later um do, do you think that there is sort of like some relation to your interest in in music uh, to psychotherapy not the psychotherapy but just in general like the you know like your emotional world yeah. let's say yeah absolutely i mean from I, I just made that realization a few days ago that something has shifted in the last years and that before that I was completely focused on music because of emotions. Like it was a tool to to work on emotions, to to express emotions and to to work on on stuff that was happening. And a few years ago, it switched to enjoying bettering myself and practicing and creating something. It it, it totally switched. Of course, of course, I I do feel these emotions as well. I can I can uh, I do use them. But in the past, it was only that. And I remember that from a child, you know, from being a a child, I was going on holidays, and when I came back, I needed to play the piano because I started my musical journey really with classical piano. And I came back and I had to play a chord, you know, and just feel the sound which was filling me up emotionally. Yeah. So that's that was funny to, to feel that shift. Interesting, huh? Because, like, I think this, this very romantic or romanticized uh, uh, image of an artist that a lot of people who 
well, of a musician, a lot of people who don't make music have is that everything we do is kind of like coming from that romantic side, from the from the yeah. emotions, right? Yeah, but so not do, yeah. do you do you uh, have any idea of how that shift came about for you? I think I got a bit more balance within myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I was done yeah. with all the therapy I had done in my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, I guess I, I figured out some sort of balance. Of course, I still have, you know, these, these emotional moments. Yeah. But, but basically, and mainly because I embrace those that I like, I do like to feel those. So I like going a bit in unknown territory. I, I've noticed that. That mm -hmm. I do like some sort of risk and some difficulties in order to, I guess, feel fear and and then work on on something that happens in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, you just used the word balance. I, I think that's really um and funnily enough, I mean, if you would ask me, <laughs> yeah. just ask myself here, but like balance really is like in music is maybe um, very important for me. Mm -hmm. Sort of always have a little bit of both, you know, a little bit of just uh, thinking and feeling and also doing, you know, like using my hands. And yeah. But do you use music as a, an emotional vehicle as well, or is it different for you? No, I would I would say that music for me primarily is actually represented within me as an emotion somehow, mm -hmm. uh, but not necessarily an emotion that I can that I can use a word for. You know, mm -hmm. I think the, the the music that I then sort of like discover. It's not that I create it. It doesn't feel like I create it. It's something that I discover. I recognize it. You know, I do something and then I just, ah, mm. I have been looking for that sound or for, like, for looking that feeling that I get when I hear this sound. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's how it is for me. Um, and like this, the special feature of music is that it can, can capture these emotions that I don't have words for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can totally relate because some emotions don't are not even clear. They are just some sort of feeling, I guess. Yes, exactly. You know, like clear, like to me, like I'm I'm not I'm not clear or sure about any of my emotions, to be honest. <laughs> like like super, super confused, you know. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> But I, I I don't experience that as a bad thing. Like for me, it's something yeah, yeah. something good, you know. Like yeah, and right. and um, you know, creatively, it keeps me keeps me going, you know, because I'm still still interested in discovering sounds. Mm. So then, when that shift or that like more balance came into your into your life and into your music. Uh, um, how did that play out in the real world? Uh, in the real world, what do you like? Mean? Did you did you did you have like uh, did you start to compose differently, or did you start a new band, or was there anything mm -hmm. sort of that became available by feeling more? Yeah, balanced? I th uh, it's it's a bit. It's, I didn't really realize it back then. I just now re retroactively. 
realized that it was only emotion in the past pretty much i mean of course i had to i had ideas when i composed i had maybe certain certain theoretical ideas of how where i wanted to go or or for arrangements or i don't know what but uh, but but when it shifted i realized now that i i shifted towards much more work like much more practice much more thinking about a finalized product so to say something that fits and then and then working hard i mean i've been working for a, for two years now on an album with arabic lyrics <laughs> wow totally silly. amazing but <laughs> i don't know it just happened did, did you get a teacher for the language or how oh did yeah you? my god i've been yeah i've had multiple teachers and now i have a very patient one who can actually sing and so he can explain to me certain things which other people couldn't explain so i was basically making mistakes and i didn't know why mm -hmm. you know it, it has to do with shorter vowels longer vowels um sounds that you do in the in the throat different types of letters it's a nightmare <laughs> but i love it of course i love it now now it's starting to come together and the other day i i i sang the song in front of a, a syrian friend and he could understand everything he had only one or two things to say to correct <laughs> but basically it was okay you know and i was like oh my god that was hard work you know but yeah it was very interesting you know, I I love the fact that you said that you you're coming from from playing the piano, which is a, a polyphonic instrument, right? Like you can play chords. You have like the full range of the harmonic potential of the twelve notes and and all that. Um, and, and you are a very accomplished singer, and that is like where you sing one note at a time, right, mm -hmm. with the voice. Usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And usually, <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I think that is that is sort of like almost like the ideal, ideal situation for a musician to experience both. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, yeah. so when you do, you remember when you returned from your uh, uh, holidays as a child, which chord you played? No, <laughs> but probably it was part of one of these classical pieces I was. I was, uh, but I'm sure it must have been minor. I'm sure because I've been a fan of them of minor. I, I I think you must have played an F F minor chord. F minor chord, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so tell us tell us about your your early days with the with the instrument with the piano. Mm. Like, did did your parents um, send you to music school or how did that happen? I mean, my my parents bought a, a piano, an upright piano, when before I was born, I think, thinking maybe one of the girls will will play the piano. And at age four, my mom started teaching me the Suzuki method, which is uh, more like with the hearing, mm -hmm. based on 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 exercises through through hearing. But she told me that age three, I already wanted to know which note was what and and I was interested. Mm -hmm. So it was really my desire. Nobody pushed me. I wanted to do it. But of course, 
of course I wanted to quit a million times because my mom was very strict. I had to practice every day and that got tiring. Yeah. But it was was great. It was a great companion for, for me for all my childhood until I became a teenager and then I was in my garden one day, I was 14, and I heard some drums in the garden, in the garden <laughs> opposite of my parents' garden. So I went there, climbed over the fence, climbed over the other fence, landed in a garden where there was a garden party and a drummer making the sound check. And I was like, can you show me something on the drums? <laughs> and he was like, where are you coming from? <laughs> I'm from that house. You know? <laughs> and then he said, okay, okay, you know, and then he showed me or something like that. Yeah. And, and then he, he, he was like, yeah, yeah, and then you do, you do that. And <laughs> it was funny. It was really nice of him to, to show me that. And then I climbed back and then I went to my parents. I said, I have to learn drums. I have to go to the music school and have drum lessons. <laughs> yeah, which I did for five years. Wow. Actually, but I could never play. No, I was really a bad, a bad student. I didn't practice as much as the piano. But it definitely, it definitely helped me a bit, you know, to, to, to have lessons every week. Yeah. So, and then you just simply stopped playing drums or? Well, I sold my drum kit because I wanted to go to India for five months and mm -hmm. I had no money. So I sold my drum kit, mm -hmm. I think for 500 euros. I don't know if that's correct because it was in 99. So it was pre-Euro, but it's uh, the, this idea I have in mind. Anyway, it wasn't a very expensive drum kit, but it permitted me to buy the ticket to go to, to India and back. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I was, I was a total hippie when I was 19, you know, 18, 19, 20, which when you see me now, you would never, never think so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a really, really yeah it was a hippie wearing clothes with holes and all that yeah 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 wow Searching so for something, I guess. I don't know. so when when did your your voice come into play i mean like for real like when when did for you real. start when did you realize that you were also a singer yeah i i mean i sang all my life i always loved singing yeah and then i I, the thing is, in those days, and in I don't know in in other countries how it is, but in Belgium, every kid can go to the music school for free, absolutely for free, zero euro the whole year. Now it's changed since twenty years. You maybe pay thirty euros per year for your child, or fifty. I don't know. It's ridiculous, but you have to go to the solfège. I don't know how you say that in English. Um, so you're basically a theory and you learn to read notes and to sing notes and you know and you have to go for five years and that's really tired that's tiring for someone who just wants to have a, a hobby and play an mm. instrument but th basically that's the rule if you do that you can uh, have a lesson with a teacher a private lesson once a week so I wanted to learn all the instruments that I could figure out. But I mean, I did piano, I did drums, I did two years of trumpet, 
and I did two years of classical singing. There was no, there was no jazz singing, and in those days, not now there is, but, but but back then it was. And the classical singing was really not my thing. I, I couldn't get it. It was not, yeah, didn't didn't fit me. So it was a bit blurry, like, what am I going to do? Because I, I knew I was way too lazy to become a professional pianist. That was definitely. And also I was a fan of Chopin. <laughs> I liked Bach, you know, I, uh, but, it, but there was not much else that I really wanted to play. Mm -hmm. And if you're a professional pianist, you have to play all sorts of wonderful compositions. But uh, yeah. So, so it was a bit of a, a question, yeah. But then, I, then you know, I I studied two years of uh, no one year of interpreting like languages, Russian and German. Then I went to India. Yeah, I was really not finding the thing. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, I lived uh, at the countryside for a long time with some friends. And then, and my ex boyfriend who told me. Why don't you study jazz singing? Because he showed me some jazz tunes and mm -hmm. we were playing together. He was playing the guitar. And then I was like, huh? Okay. And and then I prepared for the entrance exam and I'm I got in and that was like the best thing for me that I, you know, that I could do. I had oh. to get in there. It was pff, life or death, really, because otherwise what would I have what would I have done? I was lost. I was totally and, lost. and this was in Bruxelles? It was in Brussels, yeah. Twenty year, twenty one years ago, I started. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I did my my master's degree there. Master's degree means like five years or something. Or? Five years in total, yeah. I used five years. Yeah, and having oh, had this experience of two years of like being lost, it was great because I was so excited to to be there. You know, I wanted to learn everything I could. Yeah, well, it sounds incredible to me like at the age of 25 to have had like the experience of learning to play piano with two hands mm -hmm. to do the singing <laughs> like to to do the drums where the limbs are sort of trying to mm -hmm. be independent uh trip to india and then the jazz uh, jazz vocal studies that's uh yeah. that's a lot i think it's a lot i mean it's uh Right, I know because your experience has been different, right? But but you yeah. you I mean the guitar is also also two hands and 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 the heart and the brain. For sure, for sure. It's just that for me it it was like a, a very late start, you know. Like I yeah. started with that right. when I was twenty, really. You know. Yeah, but that's amazing. So, I found that really amazing because in a way, when you start so young, it's much easier. I find it's. It's quite uh, impressive when you started at, at the age you started at. Yeah, yeah. Because you really had to probably battle a lot of things you don't battle when you're a child because you don't even think about it. You just do it, or or people tell you to do it. And like in my case, I was told practice, <laughs> <laughs> but you probably yeah. did it because you really. I mean. You had that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't practice. That's the whole point. Like it, <laughs> it, it took it took me a long time to even understand. Uh, and I've said this quite a few times in these interviews because it's still fascinating to me that yeah. I didn't really know that there was such a thing as as uh, learning. All right. 
<laughs> but how did you connect to to your instrument? And how did you connect to it? I I, I don't really know. I think there's this this uh, aspect which I have not mentioned before, but it was like the um, the performance, uh, like the kind of like stage fright that I had. Like so, whenever in the music uh, in the music school. From the very beginning, um, there were like recitals, yeah, you know, yeah. mm. and I remember that I hated those a lot, you know, very much. Like it was really, uh, well, hate is not the right word, but you know, I was too nervous and it, I didn't feel like I wanted to play in front of people. That was yeah. not what music was about for me, um, mm -hmm. and and somehow that has, and it's strange to say that, but that has destroyed a lot for me. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, because I you know I was just thinking okay the reason why I go to to here to learn to play mandolin is because I need to play a recital right. to get some sort of like little diploma you know at the end of yeah. the year or whatever and I didn't I didn't want to do that I don't know and so I I never I never practiced so I was I mean I don't know maybe I was I was talented enough to just kind of like sit down and play the things. Uh, like it would, would have never occurred to me to to practice. I don't know. <laughs> but when yeah. you talk about stage fright, I mean, I had to deal with that a lot, especially. I mean, especially everything, but but singing. I just like you. For me, it was. Uh, I guess I sang for myself actually. I, and then, and then having to to be like in front of an audience was terrible for me for many, many years. Actually, the first concert I did was, I had a band in, in school, you know, in high school. I had a, where I was actually playing drums with a guitarist and a bass player. I don't really, it's very vague in my memory. Yeah? And I remember then that playing the drums was not it for me. I needed to sing or play the keyboard or play the keyboard and sing. And we, we were doing some rock tunes. And then the guitarist said, oh, Sophie, next weekend we can go to my uncle's wedding and we can play there. Okay, great. Somehow it was like, oh yeah, great. We practiced, we went there, the people were there, and I turned around, you know, <laughs> my back was facing them. And I was like, that. and it was, <laughs> it, it was terrible, it was a disaster. And I was like, can't, can't do that. But I was, well, whatever. So when when did you um, you get over that? Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember. I basically I was trembling so much for my exams that I had to take these beta blocker, you know, these things. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Wow. I mean, for a, for a while, but really, I was trembling. Like mm -hmm. I could have fallen. I don't know. Subconscious, mm -hmm. and. And then I, I had a few concerts with my my first real band in Belgium. And after a few times, I forgot to take this pill, which stops the the trembling. And then I was I started the gig, and I was like, "Oh, you forgot to take it." <laughs> but then I realized, "Oh, but it's okay. It's okay, you know." Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, I thought, "Okay, you don't need that anymore." And and actually, I started using the fear to. I used it in the music. Actually, it was 
a really interesting shift again, you know, changing. It was, it was good. It was really good because fear is somehow necessary. Not if, of course, not if you're trembling and you, you lose total control. That's, that's terrible. You can't do that for, to the audience even, right? Because actually your performance is actually a gift to the audience, which was something I, I had trouble coming up with, but now I got it. <laughs> I got it now. Yeah. Yeah. And the performance is sort of like for me, it's a gift, a gift to music. That's how yeah. I see it at first, you know. Like, so I try to be uh, capable of playing the notes or, or singing the notes that I want to yeah. sing, right? That's the, yeah. uh, that's the challenge. Yeah. yeah, like I was, I was 23, 24, 25 when I, when I finally had it under control somehow. But, but wow. then, but then it took took me another ten years before I I played bigger shows and proper shows, you know. So I didn't yeah. have much time to practice uh, being on stage. Um, but let, let me ask you one thing about the uh, jazz studies. Yeah. So so uh, so as a jazz vocalist, uh, what is sort of like the approach um, in terms of pedagogy? Like how does how does one become a jazz singer? Yeah, well, there's this section jazzing at the conservatory. You just enroll and you go with the flow, you know. Yeah. But I, I had a really, really great teacher, uh, David Lynx. He's a French, oh, yeah. I mean, Belgian, yeah. but lives in Paris. Uh, I know, he's I know a him. great vocalist. And he had, I, I think he had the perfect approach for me mm -hmm. because he was not mainstream at all. Like he wasn't telling me to become another Ella Fitzgerald, you know, he, he wants his students to, to become themselves. Mm -hmm. So that was really great for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't fit. I, I never fit. I would have never fit the, the jazz, jazz uh, section, you know, it's not me. And I think I come from this background with the, the classical piano and, and the experiences of life. And for me, I, I need to express myself with my own music, not through standards. It's just, it just uh, doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe someday I'll, I'll have fun doing something with jazz standards, but I've never recorded them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I enjoy them sung by other people who do a better job than me. <laughs> so in terms of, of vocal improvisation, um, like the, the, the free improvisation versus like more structured improvisation in the, in the context of some songs you must have been asked to learn as you were studying, right? Has yeah. there been, has there been, has there been any sort of, uh, um, like what were you more interested in in the free, free form stuff or? Uh, Everything actually. I was very, very interested in. We, we I, I went to a, an ensemble of free improvisation for three years, led by Christophe. I don't know if if you know him. He's Belgian mm -hmm. pianist and composer, and that was really a great, great experiment. We we worked on Ligeti, mm -hmm. the sequenza for for voice, mm -hmm. one year. Uh, no, sorry, not Ligeti, Berio. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's the Virio sequenza. Mm -hmm. And and that was very interesting for, for me to discover contemporary classical music within my studies. And also my teacher, David Links, told me you should transcribe anything else but vocalists, you know. <laughs> so I transcribed piano solos or saxophone solos. So I had a bit of a a feeling of uh, other other things than just the voice. It was it was really not the voice was not the focus in a way. Yeah. The music was the focus and kind of feeling different things. And the the trip to India did that uh, have any any influence? Like <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I was really really lost. I I was a very lost teenager. <laughs> um. The great thing is that I realized I want to go home and work. I want to learn something. I want to do something with my life, you know. Being a tourist was really not not my thing. I didn't understand why I went there. Yeah, it was it was fascinating, but it was just so so surreal. I had I had sold my drum kit to go there because I was so broke. I had no money and then I went there and everybody was coming to me to, to help them, to give them money or something because they were so poor. And I was like, but I'm also poor, but of course I'm not as poor as you are. And all that was a bit, uh, I don't want to be in this situation, you know, and you know, if we're running and what into am I this. doing here, you know, what am I doing here? I'm not, I'm not helping anyone there and I'm not helping myself there. Mm. Yeah. So. I was just going to say, like, we're running into situations like that here in Berlin all the time as well, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, with people asking for money. And, and, yeah, yeah. that shouldn't be the case in a country like this. I know, I know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you, you know, I, I have um, quite a bit of history with, with Belgium because in uh, 93, I went there for the first time for a seminar and uh, and then, like for quite a few years, I went to a, a summer academy. academy oh yeah, which one? No, which one? In uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Charleroi or something. Or? Okay, over there. I don't know. In the Ar Ardennes, Ardennes, right? In the Ardennes, yeah, 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 yeah. I went yeah. there too once, one year. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was there quite, quite a few times. You know, it was it was like this this um, uh, guy Daniel Shell, who is a composer. He lives close to um, to Brussels. He also played this this touch instrument, and oh. and and he organized a, a seminar once, you know, every year. And at some point, it became part of this academy of the summer yeah. uh, camp. And and so that's why I, I I went there and it was it was pretty amazing and it was like for me it was kind of like shocking to see in a positive way how great the uh, Belgian music education was because mm -hmm. the, the 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 students there and the teachers they were all amazing and wonderful and there was like a lot of focus on on sort of world music um, you know in the early nineties already like and very very amazing wonderful to to have to be you know exposed to such a uh, wide variety and 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 just like very skilled musicians um and you know like where 
at least the music school that I come from, like there was nothing of that kind and not, not that level at all. And, and it really opened up, um, a lot of, um, a lot for me, just mm -hmm. like seeing other musicians and yeah. And, and it was in particularly the French, the French speaking, um, people yeah. that I experienced there because it was in mm -hmm. the South of South of Belgium. Right. Yeah, yeah, but I went, I went many years, like, like I, I'd say maybe even 10 years. Mm, wow. But yeah. you know, the Flemish side is even more organized. I, I, are, I, I believe you. They have more budget and they, it's even better. I mean, it, I love the, that system too in Belgium. I used to teach in the, in the Flemish side, actually, I studied in the Flemish side, mm. but, um, in every town, in every part of a big city you have a music school there are tons and all the kids can go there i love it you know and it's, I see that's wonderful in germany you need to have a, you know you, you're waiting for a spot for to, to, to be able to go to this music school and you have to pay for it i don't i don't really know exactly how it works but a lot of kids take private lessons for a lot of money they don't have this theory that we had you know they don't have all these theory uh, lessons mm -hmm. over years mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah like the solfege for example like i would have loved to learn that as a kid but no um, yeah. it, that just wasn't a thing and so you speak flemish as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's similar to german <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean i the thing is i went to a kindergarten for four years i think in flemish and then I moved to Germany and I learned German and I totally forgot Flemish. So not like your daughter probably who, who would remember, but it totally disappeared. <laughs> but then when I came back, of course, it was rather easy to, to get back into it. Yeah. So um, at age 25, about 25, you have your master's degree and uh, yeah. what happened then? I mean, what happened then? Because that is that is yeah. kind of like an important point in, yeah. in uh, you know, one's life. You know? Yeah, yeah the, the best thing in the world happened to me. I went to Canada to a workshop to Banff. I don't know if you know that workshop. It's called uh i forget creative the the thing with creative whatever <laughs> i i heard i heard about it i heard yeah. about it yeah led by De uh, dave douglas at that time mm -hmm. and i met susanna folk who i have been working with since then so it's been 15 years mm -hmm. and i was there for three weeks and there i met a lot of people who were interested in working with me, which was awesome. <laughs> and they were, they were asking me, like one was asking me, yeah, uh, can you scream? I'm like, yeah, sure. I can scream. Okay. Here's a score. And there was some screaming and it was great. And then Susanna came and was like, oh, can you sing my songs? And I was like, yeah, great. Can you play my songs? Yeah, great. So it was a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah three weeks of that. And then I met Kevin Patton, who is a uh, compu com computer designer, guitar creator, 
yeah, you should meet actually, because you're also a creator, right? You created your touch guitar, mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. he created. Uh, I don't know if he created gloves or or something that you can connect to your body and then you make sounds. And I see, I see. Totally yeah. crazy things, and he connected my voice uh, to some effects that he was using. That was the first time I was working with effects, mm -hmm. and that was so much fun because I would basically do blue in the microphone and it was like like a totally crazy world <laughs> yeah that was fun so you were at the at the right place at the right time there yeah i think that was exactly it it was the right place at the right time mm -hmm. to be just experiencing whatever i could with what i had learned basically it was all my past on my back you know i was there and i could just explore my own the beginning of my own like, musical journey you know because when you study you're you have to do what you're told to do or at least you you try <laughs> and it's not really your world yet so it was a mm -hmm. great start to to explore like a vast amount of directions in, in that during those three weeks mm. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we cannot underestimate the power of, of meeting um, new people, like in general, right? But especially in the creative context, like that's why uh, yeah. seminars, workshops, whatever are so important for, for us musicians to go to and to not just for the networking, not, not for the career, but for, for the creativity and yeah. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. It was really, it was a great time. I mean, back then I was still, I was very emotional up and down, but I was very free. I was very free from responsibilities. You know, I had no responsibilities. I was living exactly the way I wanted to, didn't care about much at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was totally different than now where I'm much more aware of of what I do every day. That's yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I experienced the uh, the past, let's say, or like the um, the time till I was like maybe in my late thirties, even mm -hmm. um, like more like being in some sort of flow, like being thrown into the the river. Yeah. Somehow, and uh, yeah, that's that's very true. It's very true. I think yeah, what has changed is that I feel boundaries. I feel my limitations, you know, and, and with energy. And I, I don't know if you have that too. Over time, you become much more picky with what you do and what you want to do, I find. Like, I know much more what I want, which is a great feeling, but it, it brings a lot of limitations. Uh, interesting. Like, for, for me, I was always... Uh very much interested in collaboration because mm. for, for a long time I had this idea that, you know, like the, the, the work can only get better yeah. by people yeah. working together. And, yeah. you know, and I would still subscribe to that, but uh, there was like one particular experience with um, an album, a solo album I did where, where I sort of like suddenly had really great feedback about my music. 
Yeah. And and it was a solo album, you know, like it oh. was like I did I did exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Mm. And then I then I realized, okay, so maybe Marcus, you can be more, you can you can be uh, more convinced about your own path somehow, because like you know I was seeing that people were recognizing um, what was special about my own way of doing things, and mm -hmm. so I think like for some. For quite a few years, uh, collaborating so much was a little bit uh, the result of not feeling super confident mm -hmm. about what you wanted to say by yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can relate because my solo album <laughs> got like really good feedback too, and mm -hmm. I was like, mm, I chose everything, every little thing. And basically, that's the that's the, the freedom you get when you work on your own, but it, it's hard. I mean, I don't know how you felt recording your solo album and working on your solo project, but for me, it was, it's definitely a struggle not to have partners. I love having a partner or, or mm -hmm. you know, being in a group, you know, yeah. making music together. You know, I, I like I like having people involved at all times, really. But then it's just about sort of like the the creative decisions if if those are like in a real collaboration, uh, basically what that <clears throat> can mean is that you say yes to something that you don't like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that has happened to me a lot. Uh, yeah. I still think that the resulting work was good, yeah. but obviously very different from what I would have done. Yeah. And, and so when I'm, when I'm doing um, like solo work now, I'm, I'm all, I always, you know, I always had like, an intern or an assistant or like mm -hmm. somebody involved helping and that yeah. was always always very important to me to to col collaborate on that level but not necessarily on the musical decisions you know level. yeah 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 so um after that experience in canada um mm. did you did you go back to belgium or what what happened yeah. then yeah yeah i went back to belgium until I met my husband Peter in 2007 mm -hmm. and we decided to move to Berlin together the year after that right. was he was living in New York at that time for six years mm -hmm. and for me it, it was sort of, it was I was at a point where I already wanted to move out of Brussels I wanted to move away from my my roots I wanted to experience something new mm -hmm. And Berlin seemed like a vibrant city with a lot of freedom because I needed a lot of freedom to be yeah. really who I was and who I yeah play the music I wanted to play and not think too much about what other people would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I had spent a lot of time in Russia because I fell in love with Russia and Russian culture and Russian people, you know. So for me, the more east I could go, the better. But living in Russia didn't seem like the, the right thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I, yeah, it would have been totally different. Yeah. So yeah. when I came to Berlin, I was like, oh, yeah, great architecture. <laughs> That feels a bit like St. Petersburg in some <laughs> areas. And uh, at the same time, I'm in, in a city where I can play creative music and meet creative musicians that 
they have that have a background, you know, in that music. Yeah, sort of Berlin is sort of like the ideal ideal place to be for for a creative person in general, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's difficult to explain to some people that you know that don't really that don't experience the city from yeah. our point of view, right? Uh -huh. But I, I really think it's 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 an extraordinary place. And you know, yeah. I have I have visited a lot of a lot of cities on this planet. Right, and it there's there's nothing fun. there's not there's nothing there's nothing like Berlin anywhere else. Yeah, where I did find. you live? Well, I didn't. Well, I didn't live. I didn't live. I just visited, you know. Right. But I lived. I lived. Yeah. I lived. I lived in Innsbruck, uh, Austria. Oh yeah, right. Oh, in indeed. Tyrol, and yeah. that that was like the opposite of Berlin, right? Yeah. Like literally mm -hmm. the opposite. Um, mm -hmm. Like here, nobody cares. Like if you're around or not, and yeah. and that's that's great because great. it gives you the freedom. It gives you the freedom to, uh, you know, like the friends will always stay friends. Just the fact that you will be away for three months doesn't mean that they won't talk to you anymore. Yeah. You know, no, it's great. Everybody is just coming and going. I mean, yeah. And I find I find a city shapes can shape your music as well. I don't know if you feel that too, having been. A, to other places, but I'm pretty sure that I would have written different music had I been in a different city. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about myself yet. I think yeah. I have. I, you know, I moved here in early 2014, so it's um, yeah. almost eight years. But still, yeah. like musically, since I've been uh, away so much making music, mm. uh, I, I can't tell. I can't yeah. really tell the, what the influence of the city mm. is. And unlike you, you know, like, like you're, you have, um, you're working with people from Berlin, right? Like, and yeah. I have, I have not done that yet. I hope I, that will, yeah, that, I hope that will change soon. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. I, it's true that I, for me, Berlin is really my, my musical life. Yeah. Next year, I will work with Kevin Patton, this guitarist. We're gonna record some some music. In, in Sweden, in this okay. place, where, in a place where you can compose in a composer center. So that will be my first uh, collaboration with somebody really who I don't live in, who I don't share the same city with. Yeah. Yeah. And and where where does he live? In Washington DC. Mm -hmm. Okay. Washington. Yeah, and we we will not have seen each other for almost sixteen years. <laughs> So, Incredible. 2006 Canada, the workshop, and then 2022 Sweden, working on a a concept. I mean, poems, actually French poems. I'm I'm going back to my mother tongue for <laughs> once, because <laughs> I I really rarely sing in French. Uh, are those going to be poems from from one poet or yeah. different? Louis, yeah, Louise de Villemorin. She's mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. She was born in the early twentieth century. She she died not that long ago. I don't know in the seventies, I think. Mm -hmm. And her way of writing poetry is so unique. I've never come across this way. She basically, everything is an image 
transforming itself. Mm-hmm. Basically, like the music you did with, with Jan Peter Schwalm, I find. It's really constantly transforming and it's constantly exciting. It's, it's mesmerizing. And she writes exactly in that way, actually. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing what will come out of that collaboration. Me too. <laughs> we actually called it uh, ambient techno chamber music. That's what it's going to probably be. Yeah. So that's the, pl- that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan, yeah. yeah. Or if it changes, it's fine too. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's quite fun. Yeah. So uh, you were talking about your husband. So your husband uh, is a composer and plays saxophone, right? Yeah. And he, he yeah. has. Uh, a couple of groups. I saw some some videos on, uh, I think, on his uh, web page where you were also singing in, mm-hmm. like an octet or whatever. Like oh the, right, yeah, his octet. Yeah, that was cool. That was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah very nice. But of course, not easy to maneuver <laughs> a boat with eight people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find it? Do you find it difficult to make music with your husband? Not at all. No, he's no. in my new band. No, no, I love it. I love it. We actually mm-hmm. we recorded an album in 2009. That was so f- refreshing. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm asked this question quite a lot, actually. I, I think it's very different for everyone. I think some people mm-hmm. can't work as a couple, but we can work really, really well together. I you know? feel very lucky about that because I like, I love his support. And I love the way he writes. I love his music. It gives me the opportunity to sing in a very different way, in a much more mm-hmm. abstract way, more mm-hmm. like an instrument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And now he's in my new Arabic band. <laughs> uh, so which we're going to record in November. I'm very curious of the outcome. We'll see. What what is the uh, instrumentation? So for that project uh, drums electric bass electric guitar baritone sax or alt and alto sax mm-hmm. me singing and then we have a special guest on trumpet lina alemano mm-hmm. who is amazing She'll and a few tracks yeah and and so the arabic texts did you write them or like No, 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 no. I'm struggling a lot with the Arabic. I mean, I can now I can have a conversation of like half an hour, 45 minutes in Arabic with a person. So it's oh. it's getting there. Mm-hmm. But uh, the basically, I met a Syrian poet a few years ago in Berlin, and so so we decided I I would put music to a few of his poems. And since it was extremely hard, I couldn't do more than four, four songs. So now my teach, my Arabic teacher from Lebanon, he's translating some songs of mine into, into Arabic. So the oh. music has been written by me, the lyrics have been written by me, and he's translating them into Arabic. So it fits the rhythm pretty yeah. much, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we, of course we, We work a little bit on, on some rhythmic changes, mm-hmm. but basically he's doing a, an extraordinary job because it sounds great in Arabic and it usually rhymes and fits my music. So 
that's, oh, that's incredible. Yeah, and that's a lot of fun because it's so strange for me to have my lyrics in that other language, you know, that language that's so far, even a language I don't um, control yet, you know. I might not even ever control it, but I'm giving myself 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in 10 years I'll be able to control it really. But yeah. Oh, that is incredible. Hey, can can I ask you about how you how you compose and like so how you like for for example what kind of what do you give the musicians in this project like in what, that what project they, yeah hmm? because I have different projects like my my quartet was Susanna Folk which is called Azolia I I write out every note from every instrument because we're kind of like a chamber ensemble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But with Kayal is the name of this Arabic band. I basically I have some written arrangements, but it's very chord based, and we're working on on the sound together. I see. You know, or I have a I have an idea of what it should sound like. But the thing is, I had I had never uh, written for guitar in the past, mm -hmm. nor for drums. I mean, my first project, my first band uh, 20 years ago was with, with drums, but I didn't write anything for the drummer. So mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. me, that was really new. And it, it's quite interesting to now go back to a band with, with drums. Yeah. I don't, I don't write for him, though. Mm. And and for guitar, I, I wrote some things, but then it didn't work. You know, <laughs> I was like, it's not a horn. Uh -huh. I'm so used to writing for for horns or for myself uh, voices. You know, I write out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. voicings that I then record for, for my solo project. Mm -hmm. So, it's, yeah, yeah, I understand. So, so basically, the musicians uh, sort of interpret the composition yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's quite nice also to let the musicians decide a bit because they know the best. Especially, I think, for guitar. How could one write for guitar? I'm sure people can, but I really don't see how I could write anything better than the guitarists could come up with. Yeah, I'm, I'm, or, <laughs> I'm of a slightly different opinion there. Because, oh yeah, because, because I, I agree, obviously, for every instrument, there's sort of like an idiomatic uh, way of playing an instrument and things that work and things that don't work, yeah. for sure. Um, however, like, like when I compose, um, I'm trying to go for really like the pure expression of what, what the composition should be. And mm -hmm. then the player needs to figure it out. That's sort of like my, I, the ideal situation is where like a player would really, even if it takes 10 years. Wow to l learn the piece you know like it's it's obviously it's not something that that uh happens often you know but but i think i think that's sort of like the ideal situation where you not have to make any concessions because like it's not something that can be done easily you know so, so you mean you would write out every note for every instrument yeah yeah i mean like yeah. like with the with the sort of like more contemporary classical stuff yeah. i i do yeah. that's that's what i what yeah. i what i have to do because it's it's very 
I have a very strong kind of like vision what I what I want. So yeah. a couple yeah. of years I did this uh, a string quartet, um, and wow. you haven't heard it yet. No, no, I want to hear that. You, you, need, you need to hear that, and that that was that was uh, kind of like one of these cases where I was thinking as I was writing, I was thinking, okay, do I need to make this easy so that they can play it? Or mm -hmm. can I can I do something that will be challenging? And so luckily, I was working with an amazing quartet, the Matangi Quartet from the Netherlands, and they were they are amazing. So so it was it was the correct approach not to kind of like try to write something that would be easy. Yeah. Um, and I think the results the result is is it's come out really beautifully. You know. Yeah, yeah I, it's great when you can work with people who can play anything you want that's, yeah exactly that's but i do i love writing out every note i mean i do that for for azul yeah definitely i love yeah. uh, having exactly what i what i hear and and maybe that will happen with kayal it's just i'm not used to this formation you know i'm mm -hmm. not used to this the, the 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 guitar and the electric bass and uh and then one one horn or or two and the drums, yeah, it's really totally new for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the um, so chord changes. I mean, I have a lot of when I write a song, there there are a lot of sections. You know, it it, it develops and it, okay, it comes back, but it's not just like one or two. It's not it's not an A A B A form. That's <laughs> that's really that would be extremely rare. Yeah. It might. So, Maybe. So the, the the quartet is called Azuli or what? Azulia. Azulia. Okay. Azulia. It's uh, exactly. I, that that was the that was the first uh, thing I came across um, mm -hmm. because you may have posted it on social media or something like yeah. a video, and I I was I was really very impressed. I really uh, liked that a lot, oh, and it was it was very obvious that all the parts had been written out yeah. and. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a lot of fun working with those those musicians because we've been working together in this formation for twelve years now mm -hmm. with the exact same four people. Mm -hmm. So we know each other now. We know the sound of everyone. We know everyone's every, everything that everyone can do, mm -hmm. and we can write for that. And also, we practice a lot in in great detail. <laughs> we can spend hours practicing, and then oh, but in that bar, that thing, you know, that note could be a little longer. Or oh, that is so wonderful! I love it. Yeah, yeah, because to you know, because uh, you know, one of the the sad things I see uh, when I meet other musicians uh, or like. My students and where they tell me oh it's so difficult to find people to make music with you know like people mm -hmm. that have the same yeah. musical taste or mm -hmm. or even or or the same level of commitment yeah. practicing something and yeah. uh, and finding people like that is really is is harder than finding a partner yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> harder than finding a lover you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah yeah <laughs> and it takes sometimes time to find the real people for your project. I mean, yeah. uh, we, we we searched around quite a bit. We 
We also tried with cello or with violin, with bass clarinet and cello, the, the, the bass clarinet having the function of the double bass. Mm -hmm. Until we switched it around where Lota was playing the bass clarinet and we had the bass player Andreas Velti, mm -hmm. who lives now in Vienna, who moved uh, 10 years ago or 11 years ago to Vienna. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, right when we found him, <laughs> pretty much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we've still stayed. We still, uh, we still absolutely love working together because it's also, yeah, you, you know, when you work with musicians, it's had, it, there's a personalities that have to work together, mm -hmm. and that joins the idea of psychology. I once heard a a podcast about some guy who uh, had analyzed successful groups or successful companies why was chrysler successful or i don't know what mm -hmm. other car company or and basically he was saying that when a team is not always does not always agree it's a winning team but only if the disagreement is resolved so it is important to disagree to have a bit of rubbing but it's important to resolve as well because teams who are who always agree they will never go forward they, they will they will never change and then it's gonna fall apart because nothing is happening and then you know you lost the game and if you only disagree and you only fight then you will also then the company will will explode because everybody okay. will stop. Yeah, yeah. But if you have a team that sometimes disagrees and says, "Oh, but I have a better idea," and you can work with that instead of you know having your ego crushed or something, if you take this and you compromise, and then you come come up with something that can last. So I have the feeling now it's the proof that. That we with Azolia, we will we will continue forever. You know, I don't think we will ever stop. I mean, I really hope so. But yeah, twelve twelve years is a, is a long time. It has worked for twelve years. Why not for twenty or thirty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you you also have a band like that. You told me right in the states, you've worked with for a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I have I have quite a few long long. Yeah. Term projects, you know, like the the main one being uh, a, a, a band or a project called Centrozone, and mm -hmm. um, that was started in '96, and we oh my God. we had like the the 20 year anniversary tour in 2016, and now it's already 25 years, and it's it's in, it's incredible. And yes, yeah, Stickman, which is the the trio that I've been touring yeah. with in the past ten years, that's yeah, it's been ten years now. Yeah. And wow, I twenty five like, years. I can't imagine. Twenty five years. Amazing. And it's interesting because we we don't make that much music anymore. Maybe like we play together once per year because it's not it's not it's not a successful project like nobody wants to hear it right so we do it for ourselves <laughs> and, and but when we get together and play it's unbelievable like the level yeah. of of uh telepathic connection yeah. uh -huh. and and uh, and it's it's always kind of like really really satisfying and the yeah. the, the result is very emotionally um yeah. deep and pleasing yeah. and 
Yeah. You know, yeah, it, wonderful. Yeah, you know, this whole aspect of um at some point as a musician, well, I could say we or you, but I mean myself actually, <laughs> coming coming to this to this point where I can do anything and it works. Mm -hmm. Right. Where it's like mm -hmm. really when I when I'm like I, I I don't play piano, but like I have an electric piano here, and and I can just sit down, and I, it doesn't matter which notes I'm playing, and I'm just moving, and I'm just feeling feeling my way into the yeah. music rather than than knowing yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. And I do the same with with the instrument, with my main instrument as well. Like I can completely turn off that part that analyzes what I do, yeah. and and just let my my body do the talking you know, just the movements yeah. of my of my fingers and and that has been like the most most satisfying aspect of being a practicing musician for such a long time that at some point you really don't need to think at all yeah. anymore and just yeah. play and when you have that with the band it's it's also i find wonderful i mean this project with azoria or our latest CD is is quite intricate. The, the the arrangements are quite intricate, and we've practiced them a lot because we we put music to ten poems by Wilfred Owen, who was a poet who died at the end of World War One, mm -hmm. and we wanted to do something special with his poems. Like it needed attention and some it was a different way of composing actually having these beautiful and strong lyrics so so it became some sort of every song became that little jewel that we we took care of you know and we've practiced it so much and now we were on on tour the last week or the week before and we were playing these pieces like it was nothing, although it had been so hard you know, at the beginning. <laughs> like the tuning and you know, the rhythm, because we don't we don't have drums in our band, we don't have a piano or a guitar, so it's all it's it's uh, it's interesting. And then at soundcheck, one of us would start one part of one piece, and then we would just go there with, with you know without giving the time the time you know. Without, without counting counting it in and it was just so wonderful it was so that there was the music you know because it was just or, organic it didn't matter this stupid counting in <laughs> yeah 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 it's incredible yeah. if it comes together yeah. like that yeah yeah i think i can enjoy that so much more than 15 years ago that's why i love this period now of my life where music is a it's a different thing it's more it's yeah i don't know if i can say it's easier because it's always challenging there's always a challenge but somehow it's more organic it, it gets there it gets there so, so great yeah and this is this is not the end you know like in, oh exactly in, if, in a few years you will you will be in a completely <laughs> different place again <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm um, curious about the because you said that there in Canada that was like the first time you had the experience of having your voice go through some effects and yeah, yeah. Um, and I've I've 
I've heard and seen you use like a uh, like a loop looper or something, right? Yeah. And you also said that you are very very particular in arranging your mm -hmm. your voice when you're layering. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so how um, if you so that part of your work, let's say that's using effects and stuff. Like how has that happened? And do, are you still doing solo performances like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, my my solo performance have shifted. I mean, at first, I used the the, the a looper, mm -hmm. well, you know, fifteen years ago or so I started, and I only had the looper, but with three different loops. And the challenge was to create a piece that doesn't sound like there are loops, because that yeah. was always something that bothered mm -hmm. me. This idea that I do one voice and then it repeats and I do another one on top and I'm that's totally boring, I find. Mm -hmm. So I had to find a way to to do it dif a bit differently and pre-record some material because it wasn't possible otherwise, right? Otherwise you, you hear it. Mm -hmm. uh, I practiced a lot through another project I had with a composer uh, whose name is Simon Vince and we we improvised for four years. He, he had uh, electroacoustic. He was doing electroacoustic uh, music. Mm -hmm. He was improvising live as well, and I was improvising with my loop station, but in a way that it was not clear that it was a loop because I had three loops going on at the same time. Most of them were um, the sound was off while I was looping until a, a texture appeared and I could bring it out and then improvise with the others. And it was a whole fun mental thing, actually, you know, to, to think, okay, I'm having this now and this is going to come out now, okay, more or less. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then improvising with him, which made a coding. It coded the whole thing, you know, it was mm -hmm. a lot of fun. But then I think it was 2014 or 15, Simon told me, hey, you'd be interested in Ableton Live. And then and then the whole thing shifted, you know. <laughs> so it was so so different. I was able to have a whole orchestra by myself, basically. A, mm -hmm. a lot of pre-recorded material, as well as the live loops, but not too too much, and as well as the live um, one live voice. So that was how, how it became what it is now, which is a lot of voices at the same time. So this this album that uh, was put out by Rare Noise, that is uh, vocals only, right? Only vocals. And you were talking about effects, but I never used effects. I, I mean, I call it voice and electronics because of course I can't sing all of them at the same time. But so I, I layered them and a few parts had been looped with the loop station just really sporadically and there's some reverb which is also yeah. an effect but it's not really a i didn't transform the quality of my voice except for two two or three spots where a note was really lowered two octaves down yeah but that's the only change in the in the album mm -hmm. Now I decided, okay, I'm, I'm interested in changing my voice. I'm searching for it. And I realized quickly that I, 
I don't like it when it's too electronic, too typical. Yeah. Because then also it doesn't sound human anymore. And I think what what I love about my my solo album is that it's human pure. It's like so human that it's exactly what I wanted, you know, the humanity, mm -hmm. the, the, the something that touches the soul and mm -hmm. touches your skin almost, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so now, that, that's the advantage of also having the voice as the instrument, like yeah. the most immediate instrument. And, that's and, and I, I totally see, uh, like any any sort of like vocal treatment even like in music production it's always very difficult to sort of because it takes something away that mm -hmm. is so perfect already right yeah the, the human yeah. voice yeah. yeah and you know for yeah. me with 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 my with my instrument well like i did do something very similar i'd say uh -huh. but i was and it was so hard to kind of like find my own sound my own voice let's yeah. say with that why? well why i don't know i think it's it's just it's just because um in the in the mid 90s when people started when there was like a scene you know, like the life looping scene that sort of started like, uh, people had were using the same devices and and then like some sort of cliche cliche started developing right yeah and, you and, play the baseline and then you improvise on top. Yeah, and I never, I never did that. So that was like my forte mm -hmm. already. Like I didn't, never wanted to do that. I developed like my own harmonic language, kind of like based on the looping. And yeah. Yeah. and then, but then the question about the sound is really, is really, it's really challenging because, as you say, you don't want to be too electronic. Mm -hmm. But then, because of the looping, it is kind of like because of the layering, it is starting to sound orchestral or you could say like a chorus yeah. right? like and and you sort of like have to so, sort of like learn to counteract the effect of the layering mm -hmm. somehow uh, when using guitar right? with the voice yeah. it's, it's a different thing but um it, it it was just like decades of of experimentation you know and now i'm i'm really really happy that i can do both i can kind of like go for a totally kind of really really, really cold artificial sound which sometimes I really love to do that, yeah. Um, yeah. but also like this this uh, last one I put out, Anchor and Burden, that is like a very like almost acoustic kind of mm -hmm. dirty dirty sound, which I also love. Yeah, I can imagine for guitar, maybe uh, it it's similar to what what I experience now with Ableton is that there are so many possibilities. Mm -hmm. And what do you choose to make it your own? It probably is, must be hard. I mean, because I, I was brought up with the piano and it's, it's always the piano, it's nothing else. It's that yeah. one sound or the voice that, that, that was that one sound. And then suddenly having this electric world to dive into. Yeah, I thought, I thought I'd be totally excited to use a lot of effects and stuff, but now, when I was searching, I couldn't find it. I mean, maybe, maybe I will someday find a more electronic sound that I will like, or multiple, or effects, or I don't know. Yeah, 
No, it's it's really that there is uh, obviously like the piano and, and most certainly the voice is a music is an instrument that has you know evolved over such a long time that it literally is perfect um, and yeah like so because <laughs> it is it is it is what it is right yeah. it is it, it totally is what it is but with something like an electric guitar okay like when when was electricity invented you know <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it, it really is something something new in a way and and i've i've always found that kind of like a solution is to make sure that you're like for example if you're using ableton live mm -hmm. what happens is people choose the same plugins right the same sounds with the same yeah. presets yeah. and very easily you you know things sound everything sounds the same yeah. and and so a trick is to kind of like use use, individ use individual pedals and mm -hmm. use pedals from different brands and sort of like put them together and try combinations and you know mm -hmm. that that has always been my thing to find like my yeah. my own combination of, mm -hmm. of effects to kind of like find myself really yeah uh, yeah, I'd like to find a, a middle ground, or but I need a lot of time to explore all that. Yeah. But I mean, to be to be quite honest, like when when I'm uh, like listening to imp improvising uh, singers, let's say, are also like using loopers um, or loop station. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, it's not very good for mm -hmm. my taste. So this is the you know, but also. I wouldn't see how it would be better by mm -hmm. using effects. Yeah, I think I think the the really the solution is in the is in the composition again. So if somebody is doing great compositions with it, um, then that's that's the solution to the problem. And in There's the end, mm -hmm. no, I'm just saying in the end that's always the answer. You know, like it's the it's the it's the composition. It's not necessarily. The sounds or the techniques you use it's the composition yeah. itself yeah i think a lot of people get excited of becoming a choir you know just having your vo voice multiplied mm -hmm. it's it's a super fun thing but mm -hmm. maybe not for an audience you know i <laughs> I, I see that sometimes. it's not so it doesn't go anywhere <laughs> it's not it's not a yeah, it's not a finished composition mm -hmm. because there yeah. is this there is this barrier of of, of the, the the machine, the way the machine is built and loops. You have to be very careful, yeah, and not say, "Oh, but it isn't possible in any other way." You know, if I if if I use the looper live, I can only build a song this way, so. Okay, it's going to be re repeated a few times. No, you can also say I don't, I don't buy that. You know, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you find another way, and then it's yeah, it's pre-recorded stuff. You know, which maybe other people think is is bullshit. I don't know. But I've chosen, I've chosen to do it more that way, and I like the creative work in the in the studio as well mm -hmm. to create all of that i mean that's one of the best parts actually mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. be able to really have an orchestra and really go into detail of of a, of a whole composition yes you know, the voice yeah. Is fun. yeah 
And it's interesting. It's I don't know if many people who do that really to to really kind of like write their own compositions for just voices. I mean, yeah. like obviously people write for choir and stuff. But like what I'm saying yeah. is with the you know with yeah. the, with something like Ableton or yeah. like. So and and how did how did uh, Giacomo find out about you and put out that record on Rare Noise? I, I what's the what's the connection? Yeah, I I sent it to him when uh, when it was finished, mm -hmm. and he liked it, and that wow. was awesome for me because it was a it became a vinyl, and I I love vinyls. I I listen pretty much only to vinyls at home, uh -huh. so it, yeah, that was fun. Oh, that's that's pretty yeah. amazing! Like so, so you you just sent him something, and he likes it, and he puts it out. That's a dream. That's like a dream come true. Yeah, yeah it was a bit of a dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's a great guy. It's a great label, actually, and really great music. I discovered uh, Jan Peter Schwalm through him, and I was blown away. I was literally sitting on the floor listening to that, because I don't know why I was uh, sitting on the floor. With headphones, I don't know through my phone, I guess, which I never do. I almost mm -hmm. never do. And I heard it, and I just stood there, and I thought, "This is this is like going out of space," you know. The his uh, his album, "How We Fall," you know, it was like, "Wow!" I, yeah, very very interesting experience. And then it was fun to discover you through the, those songs that that you did with him where I'm mm -hmm. on them, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I recorded on top of your your music that you had already created with him. So I heard yes. your, your playing and I was like, I, you know, I didn't know you. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is such a, it was great to hear the guitar sound with Jan Peter Schwalm's sound. Mm -hmm. it, actually, for me, the guitar already brought a lot of hum humanity in it, actually. It was very human. Mm -hmm. very. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this was interesting because uh, I, didn't, I didn't really know um, that he had the plan to bring you in, and he mm -hmm. just did. And I obviously said, yes, of course, like, uh, you know, you guys go ahead and then uh, mm. uh, I still find your voice on this album to be uh, kind of like a, I don't know how to how to put it but it's sort of like that um, that really absolutely special mm. I don't know like almost almost alien aspect of the music somehow <laughs> when you you know because like, it, alien, it, it, yeah. because it I comes mean, in in the in the in the last third of the record yeah, only you yeah, know yeah. and and it's just this moment where like suddenly there is something that is sort of there's some light let's say <laughs> in all that darkness and uh, and i find i find it absolutely uh incredible like this combination of, of sounds mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it too. I, I love it actually. It's uh, it's very mysterious. I, I love mysterious things like how. To, I mean, the, yeah, Jan Pijas Farm. He he did a, an amazing job. When we spoke on the phone, I realized we we really.
do similar things in a way that was very interesting you know but i was layered my voice because he really he created this piece with you mm -hmm. i didn't compose that part i just recorded and yeah. then he he did whatever he wanted with it and i i also just like you i said do, do your thing you know mm -hmm. uh yeah, sorry. What did you want to say? No, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm, I have I have been a big fan of uh, Peter's work for over twenty years. Yeah. So uh, for me, it was a real, like another, um, yeah, another dream come true to work with yeah. him. Actually, yeah. Yeah, for, and, for me too, because I got the phone call after I had been on the floor thinking, "Oh my God, you know, <laughs> this guy is a god of music." And then, uh, like a, f a month later, or so he called me. So it was really, yeah. Wonderful. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, but that's that's really. I, I'm I'm really um, um, very happy to hear um, you tell me. You know, like parts of your life story, and just realizing how many, how many pivotal points you had in your life that kind of brought something really wonderful and new. And as you were saying, like moments where you were changed and where change was enabled by doors opening and you oh, yeah. you had and and this is it's wonderful and it's it's sort of like life you know life can can just happen uh to you if you're open yeah i mean i had another i had an one of the most fascinating things that happened to me and i don't know if you have that too but sometimes in in life things happen which lead to the next and you just think what the fuck happened you know because uh, i when i came to berlin i i was i didn't really have that much to do and i was i needed a job you know it was all very chaotic and i had met through craigslist list i don't know if you know craigslist mm -hmm. this japanese dancer she was born on the same day as me <laughs> and <laughs> And we decided to do something together. She was a dancer. She wanted to do uh, the Japanese tea ceremony, uh, a piece with that. So we we prepared, I think, a 20-minute piece. So super short. Me with my loop station, trying to do something interesting, right? Not too repetitive and all that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we performed it in a tiny cafe, which doesn't exist anymore in Prenzlauerberg where like 15 people can sit or something and our i mean she danced she had like two square meters <laughs> i don't know how she did it and i was there with my loose station all new first concert solo and we performed this and then after the concert this woman comes up to me and says how do you do this you know and she was a theater director and and she asked me how i did that she was totally fascinated and uh, and a year later she called me and said uh we met a year ago and i need your voices can you can you play in my play that was like the beginning of a whole new world for me because that's when i really developed my solo concepts because i did the whole music the whole theater play was just me with the loop station and an actress and I had to do the whole music, mm -hmm. so uh, I it was amazing. Also, because this woman, Elbieta Vietnarska, she's 
uh, Polish. She has such a, an amazing attitude towards art in general, to, towards theater, but I think art in general, which is extremely interesting for me to, to work with such a person who, who's looking for the truth, actually. She's looking for something that is truthful in you and in the related to the piece. Mm -hmm. so, so I was not told to do something she wanted. I was told to find in me what resonates in me with the piece, you know? And that has been like that for all the pieces we've done. We've, we've worked together on seven pieces, I think, now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, we mine. You you're really blessed. <laughs> yeah. In, in these these wonderful uh, chance meetings, you know, I think yeah. there's so much there's so much power in those, yeah. and that that is sort of like maybe one of the saddest, I think, aspects of these of the lockdowns and everything that, uh, like there were you know not much opportunity for these uh, mm -hmm. chance meetings of. Uh, That's true. For people, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my my life my life is also full of these these yeah. uh, incredible situations where you know, like the reason why I'm in the 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 band Stickman with Pat Maslotta yeah. and Tony Levin is because I met Pat Maslotta on a train. <laughs> it was a chance meeting on a train. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, like these these things, um, you cannot you cannot plan them. You know, they just yeah. But somehow, yeah. but somehow, I believe that having, um, for lack of a better term, like having a future vision, having some sort of aim, having some sort of idea, um, yeah. helps to actually get there eventually. Even though you don't know what you, what the path is going to be. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I guess starting with the goal is is not a bad idea. Idea. Yeah, but the, the, also the goal is not a fixed thing, right? Like it can, it changes over time and it's, it's something that evolves. And, and uh, yeah, I have to say like so far in my life, I've been lucky to, um, you know, I don't want to say that I always got what I want or what I wanted because that's not true. Um, but artistically, I was able to do what I wanted to do. That's amazing. Because yeah. a lot of people can't really yeah. uh, be as lucky as that, right? Yes. Yeah. So so in a way the you know Enjoy. the art the, the art of being uh, of being an uh, you know where life itself is sort of like the art, you know, it's yeah. uh, that is that is sort of something I have been very interested yeah. in, the art yeah. of living, right? Yeah. 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 Have you read uh, the, the War of Art? No. By, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forget. It's a famous book. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it talks about, it, yeah, it talks about that. I mean, it, basically the essence is that you have to do what you want to do. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not very good at summarizing books. I'm just going to stop there because I'm going <laughs> to. But maybe, maybe that already was the, the essence of it. <laughs> yeah, do what you want to do, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, 
what else do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is there something you don't want to do? No, come on. You want to do what you want to do. Oh, one of my, my closest friends I, I talked with today, and he said he was at a wedding on the weekend, mm -hmm. and he was a guest there, and there were a lot of much younger people there, so like yeah. almost half his age. And yeah. and he told me today, he said that it would, it, uh, he didn't go into detail, but he said to me, you know, these people there, they are really, really different from how we used to be. Yeah. They have a completely different way of talking and they have completely different topics, subjects yeah. they talk about. And that was that was kind of like touched me really deeply uh -huh. um, how he described that. I, I, you know, maybe I should ask him tomorrow, like to like what they actually talk about. <laughs> because yeah, I'd be interested. Yeah. But it was really um, interesting to see that maybe the kind of life and the kind of ideas and the dreams that we have, that I had, that you had, that you have, that I have, um, are sort of like not something that we can easily transfer on to other people. You know, it's not that it's sort of something that may be true for everybody and certainly not for people that grew up in a completely different environment. Yeah, I mean, this internet world they are growing up in, it's so different from, from our world. We have no idea, right? I have no idea what it feels like to, to be young in that generation, yeah. To be, because I think when, you're, when you were a teenager and then when you're 20, 25, you're still really figuring out who you are and what you want to yeah. do but having this exposure to the whole world constantly during that phase well i don't know yeah. that seems that, that seems hard but of course for that generation it it is normal mm -hmm. so they don't compare thinking uh about how life could be without it because that you know they don't know <laughs> i never thought, when i was a child i never thought um what would have happened had i grown up in a world without tv you know i mean i, I was never a big tv fan but it was normal that was there and i never knew life without it and, and it's fine it's there it's fine what, what's the problem with tv <laughs> you know so it's the same with the the young generation with the internet yeah yeah for them it's normal yeah yeah it's fascinating yeah you know and i'm i'm sort of like the you know i'm a very optimistic guy so i would mm -hmm. i would say it's 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 a good thing it's a great thing it kind of like mm -hmm. opens up new new paths you know like that i have no idea what they could be and i'm i'm really um, always curious kind of like observing especially mm -hmm. also in music like, mm -hmm. it's it's so stunning how incredibly like uh proficient like very young musicians uh, can be nowadays already like technically proficient right yeah and and i'm just curious to see what will happen to those people in like 20 years you know yeah. like what what their what their art will be like mm -hmm. you know it makes me I'm, I'm curious about that yeah yeah. Mm -hmm.
Well, so fasc fascinating. Uh, you know, I feel like for myself, I feel like we've only just started scratching the surface, um, and I hope yeah. we'll we'll talk some more uh, soon. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for sharing. Uh, you know, these uh, parts of your life with me yeah, and. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we'll meet in real soon. <laughs> yes, yes. Again, like now we're in, in our homes. It's, it's a luxury that we're living in the same city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not even that far away from each other. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so um, uh, thanks for this. You too. And it's fun uh, to think about all these things with you and share. Yeah, I, you know, like I'm saying, like I, I feel like we're just at the very beginning of a conversation, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, let's do this again. That's the point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So okay. thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye.